The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elisha? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah nor Elisha nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you can't see it from where you're sitting on the other side of this camera, but my brain is fuzzy. This week, Courtney Evans and I were getting ready for our annual report, and she mentioned several things that I had not remembered about this past year. The kitchen was renovated this year. We provided volunteers and meals for the homeless shelter of Pacham for a whole week. We packed over 20,000 packets of food for Rise Against Hunger, hundreds of meals for delivery to the city gym for those in need. Each event she listed seemed like news to me. Oh yeah, we, we did that. So I'm not alone in my fuzzy thinking. Alex Williams of the New York Times recently wrote an article about how isolation, monotony, and chronic stress are destroying our sense of time. He compared it to the fuzziness of being on drugs, a sense of time just slipping away. He says that's the paradox of 2020, or at least one of them, a year so momentous that it also feels in a way as if nothing happened at all. Our minds need what are called boundary events that would normally divide our days into chapters, like a book. Holidays, birthdays, travel, weddings, office meetings, school calendars, all give us a sense of marking time. That thing happened before Easter or after his birthday or on that trip. But as many have told me lately, I just go one day at a time because I cannot plan the future. We miss marking time, which gives us the illusion of forward progression. So our review of 2020 can also be one of naming the sadness, the suffering, and the grief of a year gone up in smoke. Some of the COVID symptoms kind of mirror some of the losses that we've had. Missing the smells of pine-scented December parties, the tastes of shared food. There's also missing the noises of family gatherings, singing songs of our faith, the physical closeness of being together. These can combine with the annual remembrances that happen at the holidays naturally of family members 
who are not with us anymore that adds to our mental fog. The term ambiguous loss seems to name the searching for answers feeling that we are left with. Dr. Allison Holman, who studies the psychological effects of shared crisis, has found that the unending sense of crisis is an ongoing chronic stressor that can lead to collapse of the reassuring sense that our lives are moving forward in an orderly fashion, past, present, future, which is the key to mental stability. Instead, many of us feel stuck in a lousy present with little sense of the future. So what is our sense of time anymore? Journalist Greta Tittleman reports that her concept of time has shifted in the pandemic. You know, time used to just make everyone anxious. We're always in a competition with it. We overslept. We're running late. I always had this feeling like I need to finish something this week or something bad will happen. Well, it turns out that that's not true. So it seems like time had become the law of our lives. While we tend to measure our lives by the tick, tick, tick of this chronos time or time of the clock, measurable time, God sees our lives through the lens of kairos time, which translates from Greek as the opportune or right time for something to happen. Ecclesiastes tells us there is a right time for everything in our lives, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to be joyful, a time to mourn. These are times defined by God, not by us. Although planning in the pandemic can be an exercise in futility, we can lean on this biblical understanding for a larger sense of time. God is not finished with us yet. History is still in the making. In the creation of the world, God provided us with boundary events in Kairos time that continue to ground us in a created order and give us a sense of the future yet unseen. Day turns into night and back into day. Winter, spring, summer, and fall come each year, unbidden by us, unmanaged by us. Children, seeds, and animals all grow imperceptibly each day. In the largest sense, the coming of Christ was a boundary event in the life of the world. In the incarnation of the Savior, sacred Kairos pierced through early Kronos. Standing at the boundaries of Kronos and Kairos time is John the Baptist in our Gospel of John today. You know, in Paul Walker's Advent Art Adult Ed last week, I highly recommend that Adult Ed, he showed Carlo Crivello's art altarpiece of John in his camel hair front piece and his wild hair. John is looking back at the continuity of the prophet Isaiah, making the way for Christ. But he's also the first person who identifies Jesus as the Son of God. The text tells us that John came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe in him. The true light of Christ, piercing the darkness of our understanding of ourselves and the world. John's job was as the pointer. In most artwork about him, he is pointing with a long bony finger. This is why John is so important to us in Advent, because we need him desperately this Advent. 
He is pointing us always in the right direction toward Jesus and away from himself and away from ourselves. John also declares something very necessary to our own lives. When asked, who are you? He replies, I am not the Messiah. This may seem obvious to us from our vantage point, but it is not obvious even to us now. This is a big realization in our lives that you cannot save yourself. You are also not the Messiah. Anne Lamott famously said, and you've heard it from this pulpit before, what is the difference between you and God? God never thinks he's you. John the Baptist may be the main actor of Advent, but he is not our favorite actor. Fleming Rutledge continues to offer a prize to anyone who can find John the Baptist on an Advent calendar. Maybe you could win that prize. So why is that? John is not on any Advent calendars because he represents the law that is pursuing us with the message of repent. The time is near. We hear this as the law of Kronos. We don't have enough time. We're at the wrong time. We're late. We're out of time. This is a bad time. But John is a witness to God breaking into time as the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. The gospel tells us that he is a witness to the light so that all might believe through him. And John is pointing to the power of Christ who baptizes with the fire of the Holy Spirit to rescue us. The relief we are seeking is not human-made and not chronological in nature, but will be at the right time, the appointed time, the Kairos time. We can trust that God is at work because we have seen God's handiwork in our lives and in history. We have a history of God keeping promises of relief and rescue. We can trust that our times and our lives are in God's hands. Advent is the place of the both and, Kronos and Kairos, looking ahead to Christ's coming and looking back at Christ's loving trustworthiness in our lives. The advent of repentance, the longing for relief, is met by this promise of rescue. This longing and hope are best captured in the Advent hymnody. And I will close with the very much needed at this moment and heart-holding words of the first stanza of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel and ourselves that mourns in lonely exile here until the God, the Son of God, appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Emmanuel is defined as God with us, and time does not hold that God captive. We are released from time's grip and judgment by a loving God and the everlasting promises of Advent. Emmanuel was sent for us is for us, and will never leave us. You may not see him, but he can always see you. Amen.